evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Susan Violante, Associate Editor at Reader Views, filling in for Irene Watson from Austin, Texas. And I'm Tyler Tischler from Superior Book Promotions, filling in for Victor Volkman. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 146 in our series. Tonight's topic will be how to start a publishing company, and our special guest is Jacqueline Simons. You can learn more about our guest at the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We would love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Tonight's guest, Jacqueline Church-Simons, is the co-owner of Beagle Bay, Inc., a book packaging and distribution company. Jacqueline is a book shepherd, assisting self-publishers and startup presses in launching their businesses. Much of her knowledge about publishing can be found at the Creative Minds Press site, which is new self-publishers' Frequently Asked Questions, that's FAQ, and the address is www.creativemindspress.com slash newbiefac, F-A-C, or I'm sorry, F-A-Q dot H-T-M. She's also the author of the historical novel, Captain Mary Buccaneer. Well, welcome, Jacqueline. We're happy to have you here tonight. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. We'll get started by just maybe talking a little bit about what people need to know when they get started with self-publishing. I know that a lot of authors, a lot of people, they always dream about writing a book, and they they have these delusions, might be a strong word, but they, they <laughs> tend to be creative people, and they their their heads are kind of in that creative mindset, and they're not necessarily business people, and they, they think, you know, that... Uh, Maybe a year or two back, they would have thought, well, Oprah's going to call me and I'm going to be rich and famous. And it, it's not really that easy. It's a real it's a real business. So what kind of advice and um, what, what kinds of things do you think people need to know when they first start out self-publishing in terms of the business side? Well, the first thing that, that uh, people who want to publish a book need to realize is that self-publishing equals entrepreneurship. It's it's a business. So, yes, it's a dream, and I don't want to crush people's dreams. And it's a delusion, and it's a good delusion, and you have to be delusional to start any business, so that's fine. But what you need to do is is balance your enthusiasm for your creative side with an understanding that this is a business and that you have to deal with the analytical side. And, and because creative people are so wonderful and don't deal practically, it's better sometimes for creative people to pair with a business person to launch their their publishing company. And in this manner, they get both, they get, uh, the, the company has both the vision and the excitement and the creativity as well as a balanced business approach. Okay, so where where would you would you would you find that person? Are you talking about someone like an accountant, or is it is it like a, a business coach person? Well, you could go with a, a business coach because th- this is a solo entrepreneur sort of thing. You're not likely to get investors, and banks have heard of publishing and, and don't much like them. 
So what you're probably going to need is to pair with somebody who's been in business before. Uh, and that could be anybody who's, you know, been in retail. Somebody who's who's been in a retail sort of business is helpful, and you can both learn. Or somebody who's uh, started a press and closed it because they didn't have the vision uh, but understood the analytics of it. These are, these are good fits uh, because once you learn the book business, and it's, and it's pretty straightforward, it's, but if you don't know anything about business, it's really difficult. Well, well, publishing is, is a huge industry, and of course, uh, self-publishers out there competing with all the other self-publishers and also the, the big traditional publishing houses. So um, from that perspective, I mean, you got to think about, about having enough money to compete and also how you're going to market to compete. So what kind of advice would you have for the beginning self-publishers so that they can actually compete? Well, as, as you pointed out, it, it's the publishing business is is vast it's a 3 trillion dollar a year global business and and here's where the delusional part comes in uh small publishers self publishers can compete in that but they have to understand what the big guys are doing and what they can do differently and the key to that is knowing your reader um uh, and and this is where uh, one of those hard parts where where you need to narrow down and, Almost every self-publisher starts with, everybody who likes to read will like my book. Well, that's not true. There are 300 million people just in America alone. They're not all going to even read, let alone your book. So you need to narrow down, figure out who your market is. And because you are able to take the time to focus on exactly what your book is and who your market is, you have an advantage that that say Penguin doesn't have, because they while they have this vast machinery to attack that kind of information and to process that information, it's a vast machinery. They can't turn on a dime, but you can. You can understand what the newest newest trends are. You can understand where your reader buyer is and target that. Jacqueline. Um I'm 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 one of those people that when I got my book out thought, yeah, everybody's gonna love my book and everybody's gonna read the book. But <laughs> so, because I wrote it more like um um a hobby while I was working mm-hmm. in a different industry in business. So now that I find myself as an independent starting my own um independent publishing company, what exactly do I need to know be about the book industry specifically? Um before I get into that business, okay. One of the, some of the things that you need to know are, are basic business things. Bookstores, where we generally say we're shooting for, but we'll get to that in a moment. But bookstores have to make a profit on their book, so they need at least a forty percent discount because they are in trouble. As, as as we all know, most most small bookstores are are closing, and even big ones are. They are under a lot of pressure to have only books that sell. So, what are you doing to drive books into that bookstore? And is that the right thing for you to spend your money and time on? So, you've got this double problem of of you've got to discount your book, and you've got to have a book that the bookstore would want to to sell. The bookstore also buys its books from a wholesaler. The wholesaler requires a 55% discount from the publisher, and that's because they take 15% uh, 
uh, discount to run their operation so that they can go ahead and give a 40% discount to the bookstore. You need that wholesaler because most bookstores do not want to write 47, 11,000 checks to all the people who are publishers of books. So it's easier for them to just do it one-stop shopping or two-stop shopping. And you actually want that to happen because booksellers tend to treat small publishers not very well, and they sometimes stiff us. So it's good to send that to a wholesaler. Now, Baker & Taylor is sort of open to uh, small publishers, one-book publishers. Uh, they will play some games with you, but but they will let you in. Ingram wants 10 books by different uh, authors and wants to see $30,000 in sales to them in the first two years. And it's going up to 50000 uh as of January 1. That's a big hurdle. Now, uh, if you if you join, there there are ways to get around that. But what, what you need to know, and then that's just if you're just dealing with the wholesaler. Now, if, if you can, you can get into a distributor who can get you into the wholesaler, thereby leveraging you so you don't have to have 10 books and $50,000. But you need to ha- get to that distributor with your information about your book before it's published four to six months ahead of time to do pre-publication reviews. It's a lot more complicated so, than what we think. <laughs> well, it it is, you know... Like any business, it's a lot deeper than it looks. If you go into jewelry, there's all these things you have to know about jewelry. If you go into hats, you have, you know, so there's always uh, middlemen and and further middlemen and further middlemen. Um, But with books, there's really not too many middlemen. There's just two levels. And it's handleable, but it's difficult because most distributors worry about taking small presses because there's not a lot of marketing behind it. And that's the thing that really separates small press from, you know, the big guys is they can throw $100,000 uh, in publicity at something and, and you're lucky if you have 10000 And so that's, that's very difficult. That's why we kind of have to specialize in guerrilla marketing and, and just really working what we've got and understanding our market. So, you know, I've told you all this gigantic thing and it sounds sort of monolithic but really you have to stop and ask yourself is the book I've written going to work really well in bookstores and for most people that answer is astonishingly no most people can get along just fine with Amazon and doing other kinds of of marketing because how many people are going into bookstores anymore and if you've so so if I'm an independent author and um you know and I have all these options I can go through the distributor or I can be just in Amazon and or find other I, I want to say parallel uh marketing other than bookstores I'm I'm just an author and I'm trying to get my books and get an outlet of all my writings and so I I start to create my own little uh publishing company and and now I'm realizing it's okay this is a big uh, trillion uh dollar industry and all that so do as all independent authors and and slash publishers do we create another a company do we register an incorporation um, a corporation do we do it as a sole proprietorship i mean where do we start with um all this information 
Start, really, really start. Okay. Um, I really recommend that you incorporate. You can get away with doing the doing business as as a solo entrepreneur, but there's a problem with that. Say you write a cookbook and you make a mistake that could possibly kill somebody and somebody actually gets hurt and they sue. If they sue and you're a solo entrepreneur, you can lose your house, you can lose your car, you can lose everything. If you're incorporated, you can shelter yourself somewhat. I'm not saying that you wouldn't lose everything, but you could shelter your, yourself considerably. So that's why we want to do that. It's also for tax reasons. And the two uh, ways that you can incorporate are an LLC and an S-corporation. And I recommend for most people uh, who are starting out to go with an LLC because you can select one that allows you to file the corporate taxes on your regular tax return. And it makes it lots easier. But once you've done that, then you must file for business licenses in your locality, whether it's, it may, depending on your your location, it may be your, your city, uh, county, and state that all have to give you licenses, and you have to inquire about that. But you will be selling a product, and because you're selling a product, you will at some point be collecting sales tax, or you should be, if you're selling to your, your very end user, which would be your reader. Um, Jacqueline, can I ask you in terms of uh, in terms of self-publishing today? I mean, when I when I started out, well, when I when I started dreaming about it, I heard about oh, people have lost their houses because they invested all this money, they took out a second mortgage, and they print all those books and they're sitting in their basement, and they aren't selling. And now today, um, with all the changes in the industry, um, you can you can self-published for a lot less. So do you, do you have recommendations as far as starting out with doing e-books or print-on-demand or or sticking with offset printing? I think that's a really good point that you're making. I think this is the most exciting time and a perfect time to start your own press because so many things, new options are opening up. For instance, if you're uh, publishing short stories or poetry or novels, it might be smarter to stick to ebooks because it's hard to build a uh, a fan base to justify printing books at that point. Uh, you know, you need to grow people's awareness of you. An unpublished uh, novelist who sends out a book into the world, and I've done this, uh, you know, you're going to be ignored at first. And that's a big investment if you go with offset printing, which is the actual physical printing of books and lots and lots and lots of them because the economy of scale says you must print over a 1,000 books to get a decent price. And really, it's over 3,000. That's a lot of money up front on a venture that you don't know is going to take off. So say you've got something that you think you have a little solider uh, call for, uh, maybe a how-to non nonfiction uh, and and explanatory uh, text like that really sells a lot better than than fiction. So I would recommend that you go to a print-on-demand or digital printing solution. And people can go two ways. A lot of people just go to um, Amazon and go to CreateSpace and and print through there, and it's very easy to do the Kindle as you're doing that. 
So that that takes care of everything for you. And if you're not working worrying about bookstores or anything, that's a really great solution. Now, if you want to step it up just a little bit and see if you can grow out your market, you might instead go with Lightning Source International, which is the uh, digital printing outlet of Ingram, which is the largest wholesaler. And what you can do is select so that you make your books available to booksellers if there's an order for those. So you do have to select a 55% discount with returns, whereas on Amazon you can cut that down to 20% and not worry about returns. But it all depends on your marketing. What do you know about your marketing? How can you insert yourself into that? And what does your customer really need? But... The, all these options are so helpful to uh, startup publishers because it used to be, as you said, you know, I started out, I printed 3,000 books, I had them in my garage, and I suddenly realized I had no earthly way of, of selling them. Uh, and it was awful. And I tried. The, one of the things I work with people to do every single day is to make sure that they don't have that feeling because that's just tremendously awful. Now, one of the few things that you have to do offset on is a full-color book, a big children's book or, or something like that. But then we have to do really hard marketing before the book ever comes out to make sure that those books sell. Yeah, I think you're, you're pretty much right there. Um, I... And I, I think it has a lot to do with your market, if you know your market. Like, I write historical novels that are set here in Upper Michigan, and most of my readers, and I, I'm not really sure I could be wrong, but it seems to me that most of my readers are probably, like, age 50 and older, and a lot of them are not yet into e-books or even using the computer. And so I think, you know, they want to uh, read those paper copies, but... At the same time, I'm, I'm thinking about writing novels that are, are still historical fiction, but not about the local area, which gives me geographic problems with distributing the physical books. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that e-books are the, are the way to go that, in that case. And so, you know, I think it just kind of depends on, on who your market is and how your readers are going to find your books and how they're going to read your books. Exactly. And, and you know, but I, I encourage you to do some more investigations. If your readers are in their 50s, right now the biggest buyers of, of ebook readers are 50 to 70. And the reason that they love them is because they can increase the print size. Yes, that's true. And so, you know, I would go with two pronged with the regional and then start with ebooks on, on your other, uh, books and see how you can grow your your readership and then perhaps you know launch a little uh a trial balloon on Amazon and see how that works for you um and this is this is the wonderful thing and and you know because you can do this you can try different covers maybe you know your first cover comes out and it's awful the cover of my book was awful if i could have changed that i would have you know or maybe the the first time you you put it out it it was filled with mistakes and you can go back and change that i mean ebooks makes that all possible and so does print on demand though a little slower i think it's a wonderful time nowadays with the internet also um and the ebooks and all that because it gives you so much room for experimentation 
And um, I'm actually grateful for that now that I'm starting, uh, you know, the book industry. I've, I'm really only one to two years um, in, in the industry as an author and editorial assistant, so I really didn't know anything about the business when I when I came into it. And um, to find myself, you know, struggling with not knowing what the process is 100% for the print, on the other side, I'm very computer proficient, so... Uh, I've been experimenting with my new uh, picture book that I'm planning on printing next year. And uh, I've been experimenting with new uh, models of, uh, you know, instead of audio book, for example, I could do a little movie book on DVDs. (laughs) So it's so much fun. Yeah, books aren't going to disappear. And and one of the things that drives me completely insane is, People say, oh, the book business is going away and publishing is going. No, it's not. Books are going to be with us for a very, very long time. But there are also going to be lots of different interactions. There's going to be interactive books. There are going to be, you know, part movie, part something else books. I mean, my husband likes to play computer games. And, you know, he does this little thing, and then suddenly he's launched into a huge movie. And and that was, where was that 10 years ago? Nowhere. So we don't know where we're going. But what we know is that the little entrepreneur is in a better position to explore and exploit new technologies as they come out because we can move faster. Uh, The large, you know, book industry people have had a real hard time understanding ebooks now they're into it and it's like you know giant gorillas leaping into the pond but um you know now we can understand you know more hyperlinked books and and more technology uh involved with the books and and utilize that before they ever get there yeah. However, though, the printing, I don't think the printing book is going to disappear at all either way. No. Uh, and uh, the rules are sometimes, I think they're dinosaur rules, and they're, I don't think they're evolving as quickly. And then we find ourselves with different models. For example, I'm, I don't know right now what to do. Uh, do I need to buy a blog ISBN? Do I need to buy, can I buy one instead for the book that's going to come out? I mean, can you talk a little bit about how do you manage um, and how do, where to get all this information if you're trying to handle both models because Amazon is more user-friendly when it comes to create space and it, it, everything is spelled out for you. But when you try to do it on the other hand, um, um, on, on the print side, it's very, very um, – there's not a lot of information that is forward that is uh, upfront for us new authors coming out. Yeah, um, it's still one of the best uh, uh, books for for new self publishers is Dan Pointer's self self publishing manual. But for for just off the cuff uh, about ISBNs, if you're going to start a publishing company, I would buy at least a block of ten. And that's because you might go with a a full print book, and then there's Kindle, and then there's the EPUB uh, edition of the e-books. And those have to have separate uh, ISBNs. So that's three just there. But you might talk about, you know, doing your movie uh, book, and that's a new ISBN. And, you know, you might do just an audio, and that's a new ISBN. So, okay, we're five into it. So that's that's a good idea. Now, there are some people who recommend that you buy a block of 100 
um, I would recommend that you try with your first book how that works and if you think that you're going to launch another book or you're going to work with other authors then fine go ahead and get a hundred and get that as quickly but you just go to my identifiers and get that but that's after you incorporate or start your business you need to have your business license and and put everything in the name of the company so that everything's you know all set Both together there yeah um, Jacqueline, I was wondering in terms of, uh, well, there's there's always the financial aspect of it. People need to have the money to do the printing or the or the e-books or whatever, and it it can be as little as hundreds of dollars these days to launch a book or or tens of thousands. And I'm also wondering what you think in terms of um, of timing. Is there a time of year that's better than another time of year? And how about if you're going to do multiple books? Um, what do you think about in terms of spacing them out? Do you, do you decide to bring out a book every year, every two years, every six months? What what do you need to do to kind of keep your audience's attention and attract, attract more readers? Okay. Well, let me try and take all three. Uh, you do need to have money to start any business. And I really think that, that you need to have some money put away to invest in the publishing of the book. You have to make sure that it's edited properly. You need a good cover. Even if it's just an ebook. it needs to have a good cover. Uh, you need to, you know, have the time and the money to do marketing. Even if you're doing guerrilla marketing and not spending any money, it is taking your time. So obviously you're not making money if you're out there marketing. You are spending your time, which is money. So I would um, sit down and budget you know, I really think that that a, a book needs this, a startup of ten thousand dollars. Now, you can do it for cheaper, and people have done it for cheaper. But hundreds of dollars just is not going to cut it. You're going to have to spend, I would say, at minimum five thousand. But you know, and more money is not always a good idea. You have to understand what you're spending your money on. What does your money buy? When when somebody offers you services, say, what does my money buy? And understand the answers. And and go ahead and shop around. I don't I don't know of anybody who's offended uh, by by hearing somebody say, well, I need to hear from some other people because we you know it's a big field. Not all books are right for each person to work with, and so that's that's a consideration. I'm going to leap into your second question without taking much of a breath. When to launch a book? Please, God, don't bring a book out in Christmas time. There, last year, there were 1.7 million, 7, 1.7 million books published, new books, new, new titles. Over half of them were launched in the fall. Not every book is right for Christmas. It's just not. The greatest time for a, for a new uh, self-published book is January or February, because if you if you're going to do the um, the pre-pub uh, magazines like Publishers Weekly or Library Journal, you know they need four to six months beforehand. They need a galley four to six months before you release the book. So. If they have, if they're they're just they have tons. They have like fifteen hundred books a day come in 
during the fall, but when books set up for release in January, February, they have maybe a couple of hundred, so you have a chance. But even if you're not doing the pre-publication, there's just fewer books being released. So sometime January through March is is really, really great, and then spring is good, and then if your book is a beach book, a novel, something that would be fun to read on vacation, summer's great. So think more out of the box. Don't think, oh, it's the holidays. Everybody wants a book for the Christmas. Don't do that. Get out of that mad rush. As to multiple books, every time you bring out a book, you have to market. And the minute you stop marketing that book, it doesn't sell. Books don't sell themselves. You have to be out there in front making sure that your potential reader buyer is out there knowing about the book. So... If you've grown your brand enough so that you can release a second book and it's related somehow, or, well, let's just go to the ones that are related. If it's related and you can see that after two or three years that you've got a substantial group of people who are buying it, then you should you should bring out the second one. And then the third one should be like 18 months to two years after that. But if you're... Uh, bringing out, if you're bring, starting a, a press and you're launching just a number of books that are, are just, a, a, you know, different authors, different topics, or similar topics that fit into your niche, you need to look at your business model. And this is where the creative side has to go and take a seat and the business model has to, has to be clear. You need to see how much money can you invest in the launch of the next book and when that is, fits in comfortably with the marketing that you are doing with the book that you have at hand. While Penguin can launch 150 books in a year, which is mind-boggling, really, but, you know, that's, that's small uh, compared to some. Uh, for us, for a small press, launching one book or two books in a year is you're you're in a mad scramble the whole time, and the marketing is going on and on and on and on. So you need to see where your time, where your money, and where your planning can go. So I would say maybe to every two years, um, and I I think that that's that's comfortable until you get really really uh, you really know what you're doing and where your your market is, and perhaps you can hire somebody to help you. Jacqueline, you brought up, um, well, uh, presses that would publish more than just one author's book. So do you you have any recommendations in terms of, I mean, I personally, I just publish my own books. But if, say, I wanted to start publishing the books of all the other authors who also wrote about Upper Michigan like I do, um, would you have any advice about that? And um, does that in any way change your your marketing strategies if you're if you're publishing other people's books besides your own? Yes, it uh, really does change things tremendously. Uh, first of all, um, when you're publishing somebody else's book, they're not going to be as invested as you are. Uh, you know, this is not disparaging authors, but when an author is not got their their money on the line, they are less likely to <clears throat> have have the fire burning underneath their feet <laughs> uh, and and know that they have to make this book sell. 
So they they will tend to say, well, I, you know, I did something last week about it. Marketing has to take place day to day, and you have to draw up agreements to make sure that they are invested in doing something day to day about that. Um, so you have to herd them while they do that, and plus you have to do marketing for the book because that's your line. Uh, a lot of, you know, even Penguin right now is putting a lot of the marketing on the author. Uh, but for small press, it kind of has to be, uh, if you will, two oxes on a yoke. You have to pull together. You have to pull together all the time and not just one person's pulling and the other one's kind of, you know, reading a magazine or something. So that's, and, and it's hard. It's hard to find partners uh, to publish who are going to be like that. Um, and there's also, you know, different opinions about how does that happen. So you have to learn to compromise with your editorial vision somewhat to to get where you want to. But they also bring new energy in. They have new thoughts that you don't have. They don't. They have new readers that you can co-market your book into. So, you know, Here's here's your your fellow who's who's come into you and has has this another historical book about your area, um, but they're all mysteries and suddenly you've opened up mysteries into your uh, readership and maybe they would like to have a little historical on top of that. So you know it, these things are you know. It, you can you can broaden out, but every time you broaden out, you actually create more complexity for yourself because you have to broaden out your marketing. Um, Jacqueline, I'm I'm beginning to try to establish uh, what model to do to use. Whether you know, well, I actually decided to have an outlet for myself and and do a contest once a year to publish somebody else. Um, and when I was doing my research, I noticed so many different publishing models. I mean, I can, just to name a few, there's a paid publishing company that you never know what type of contract you're going to get. There's the, uh, you know, the pre-on-demand system where you retain everything, and there's the traditional. Are there, um, are, are there beginning to hybrid all these models into? The, are the small presses uh, mixing all these different business models nowadays? Or? Well, there, you know, there are some traditional and there are some subsidy uh, uh, publishers. We do, um, we offer sort of a blended subsidy book packaging uh, uh, service with a, with our company. Um, in all cases, you know, you have to keep clear that you want to make sure that they retain their copyright. Uh, but you also must protect your investment. You need to, I believe it's uh, Crawford's uh, legal forms for publishers. You need to look at that and study some of the model contracts and try to understand where you need to be because you really do. You need a con- you need a contract and and you must, you know, you don't have to take what he says as gospel. That doesn't mean that you, that you know. You have to do what he says. If you feel that there's a more equitable way to do something, then then do that. There's nothing of it is is written in stone. But if you think that you know, if you're going to be doing ebooks, um, 
it would be equitable to go 50-50 and split. Um, much like a model for, say, what we do here is, is what we used to do with, with publishing is if we sold foreign rights, we split that because we'd taken, you know, the work to put the book out there and market it and, and all that. So, so you can, you can make it so that you, you have, here's what you get when you sell an ebook, here's what you get when you sell a book, here's what you get when you sell a game, whatever in your contracts. But you have to sit down and think through those those needs. What do you need? What does the author need? What's equitable? Uh, so, the, so, the blending, so the blending is, is happening in terms of the different products that you can get from this um, author. Yeah, I think that you okay. have to think of, of multiple That's levels perspective, yeah. for every single every single uh, title you sign on, uh, because nothing is. It's right now the publishing business is like trying to nail water to a wall. You know, yeah, <laughs> I know. Exactly That's what, what I've been going to be. <laughs> right in, in two to three years, you don't know where it is. And and you know, the amazing thing was was when all these big publishers looked at their contracts and realized that they'd. Written these contracts without any electronic rights, so people like Margaret Atwood, all of her ebooks she had for sale that they didn't own. It drove them crazy. <laughs> so you have to work out, you know, and language in between where where all all derivative ways of producing this work, you know, you can tie up or release as as you and the and the the author. Agree, but you need to sit down and and figure out what's right for you after you've seen what everybody else does. I'm a big proponent of, you know, go your own way, do what you think is right, but first know what what the way everybody thinks is the right way. Yeah. No wonder we took a we started with the question: Do we take a partner? <laughs> yeah, you can go crazy. You really can. You know, and you can also, you know, one of the things I do as a book shepherd is, is I'm that backboard. You know, you can hire me and and use me. And what I do is I sell time packages, and you don't have to use it all at once. Or, you know, I've ha- I have one person who's who's still working on a time package after three years, and she'll call me up or she'll email me and ask me a question, and we'll go over completely what her thoughts are and what all the the ways around that are because this is not a black and white thing. This is publishing. It's art meets business and it's the most fascinating and frustrating and delusional crazy thing I've ever seen in my life and I love it. I've been doing it for 12 years and I adore it. Well, I think we're almost out of time, Jacqueline, but I was wondering if I could ask um, one last question. Could you maybe tell us... um off the cuff what you think is maybe the biggest mistake that a person makes when they start self-publishing and what is the best the best thing that they could do when they start off the biggest mistake that that almost all self-publishers do is is just refuse to prepare for what's about to happen to them it really is a business and and not taking into account that you're against a three trillion dollar a year global business is really one of the hardest things that that I see is is people just won't believe that they they won't believe that no your book is unlikely to sell 100,000 copies no oprah's not going to read it i call that the oprah delusional sin mm-hmm. 
you know, it's wonderful to dream. You know, uh, there's there's that Thoreau quote that where that gets misquoted all the time. It says, "Building castles in the air." What he actually said is, "Build your castles in the air. That's the rightful place for them. Now get to work and build the foundation." And that's what publishers need to learn when they when they first start out. The best thing I've seen when people start out is they get themselves informed, and then they try and hire some some people to ask their opinions. And then if they go off on their own, they go off on their own, but they're informed. And when I see, I've seen people prove me wrong several times, and I have to tell you, I'm always delighted and amazed when they do, because I thought I knew something, and they went out and they listened to me very carefully, and they went out and they succeeded at doing it in a completely different way than I thought of. And I think, wow, that's so cool. I wish I'd thought of that, and I admire them, and I always keep in contact with them because it's so fascinating. Yeah, that is that is cool when that happens. It, it just changes it for everybody. Gives them yeah. ideas. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the information. You've been a, uh, just full of information and, and uh, all <laughs> kinds of uh, ideas. So you've really got my head going in terms of just planning and rethinking um, the whole organization of the business. So. Um, if our listeners are interested in contacting you or finding out more about you, could you give us your your website and your contact information again? Sure. The easiest way to contact me is through BeagleBay.com, B-E-A-G-L-E-B-A-Y.com. We have a contact uh, thing, form on, on there. But you can also call me. Uh, I'm on Pacific Time, 775-827-8654. Or email me at jcsimons, S-I-M-O-N-D-S, at beaglebay.com. Or you can even Skype me, I'm so modern, <laughs> at Beagle Bay Books. Well, I want to thank you too, Jacqueline, because uh, you've been very helpful, and I definitely want to keep in um, in touch. And um, um, I could I could ask you all night long questions, to be honest. <laughs> thank well, you so much. I'm, I'm very pleased to be with you. Thank you. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, Writing Historical Romances, with special guest Donna Winters. We would love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. For Reader Views, this is Susan Violante in Austin, Texas. And for Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan, filling in for Victor Volkman, this is Tyler Tischler. Good night, everyone. <laughs>